Term. It we could are, be worse. It could be worse. We it are, has been worse. <laughs> that's true. We, we've we, we've done this in worse conditions. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the internet just completely does not work on my computer at all. So there you go. Useless. <laughs> oh, goodness, that's gonna make for an interesting show. Yeah, yeah. It should it should? As a matter of fact, um, I'm gonna have to. Read a lot of things on my on your phone on my phone here, and it's not going to be fun. I'm Chris Yao. He's Maurice Patton, and we are collectively Main Street Sports today here, live from the Lee Company Studio, coming to you from Columbia. And it's Monday. It is Monday. Thank Most goodness it's Monday. Well, here's because the thing: it can only get better from here. Well, <laughs> you know, we thought that about Dennis Daly and Andre Dillard. And so I'm just saying, hey, you know what, though? It's Monday, and at least we have jobs. We do, in fact, have jobs, so, which is better well, than some no, people. No, 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 no. Hey, what we don't have is $75 million. $75 million? <laughs> I think I'd rather have the $75 million, though. If, if it was either or, yeah. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about that. We are. I got thoughts. We've got a lot of fun stuff to get to. And luckily, we're going to wait till Friday to talk about uh, our picks from the weekend. I went, you said fun stuff. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about fun stuff right now because that is not fun. No. A lot no. of red mm. on that paper over there. Mm. Uh, Here, let's, let's, let's just turn that over. That. Let's get into... The weekend results and today's schedule on the rundown. Let's do that. Here's the rundown. The Monday rundown is brought to you by Zion Christian Academy. ZCA offers a faith-based, Christ-centered education in Murray County. 
Give them a call today at 931-388-5831 or visit zioneagles.org to schedule your appointment today. Zion Christian Academy, prepared for college, equipped for purpose. High school football action on Friday. Brentwood 38, Summit 14. It was Columbia Academy with a 48-41 win over Jackson Christian. Christ Presbyterian 48, USJ 11. I thought about you when I saw that. Friday East night. Nashville 40, Stratford 14. Montgomery Bell Academy with a 17-14 win over Innsworth. What was that score again? 17-14. Okay. 14-1-4. Okay. Uh, Liberty Creek with a 49-27 win over Fairview in their first year. Wow. Uh, Franklin Road Academy, 50. Knox Webb, 15. Oh, is there a second? That is their second year. I'm sorry. Uh, Giles County, 70. McMinn Central, 29. Mm. Henry County, a 46-42 win over Hendersonville. Davidson Academy, 36. Lausanne, 35. How about that? East, How about Robert this? East Robertson goes to Jasper, comes back with a dub, 24-7 over Marion County. McCauley downs Brentwood Academy, 49-10. Middle Tennessee Christian advances with a 56-28 win over First Assembly Christian out of the Memphis area. Uh, Moore County, 35. Eagleville, nothing. Oakland, 24. Mount Juliet, 2. Uh, Page with a 37-7 win over Tullahoma. Pearl Cone down Station Camp, 41-16. Riverdale, 42. Cookville, 21. Centennial with a 20-14 win over Shovelville. Ravenwood knocks off Smyrna, 38-9. And Southwind was a 45-22 winner over Beach. And Nashville Christian defeated Trinity Christian, 45-38. On the ice this weekend, the Coyotes of Arizona, 7. The Predators of Nashville, 5. Goalies were optional. Clearly. From, from the get. From the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> NFL action, Tennessee Titans go to Tampa Bay, come back winless as the Buccaneers win 20-6. Men's basketball over the weekend, Vanderbilt got off to a rocky start, but managed a 74-67 win over South Carolina Upstate. Tennessee goes to Madison, gets an 80-70 win over Wisconsin, Furman 99, Belmont 76. Lipscomb Downs, Asbury, 113-74. George Mason with a 67-45 win over Austin P. It was St. Francis, 93. Cumberland, 72. UT Southern with a 61-59 win over Campbellsville. And then the Firehawks dropped a 73-65 decision to the University of the Cumberlands. Trebekah with a 79-73 win over Southwest Baptist. A 92-87 loss to Drury. And Fisk defeats Wilberforce. 85-83. Women's basketball action was Fairfield 89, Lipscomb 66 on Friday. Charlotte down Tennessee State 84 to 35. Belmont with a 76-50 win over previously receiving votes Georgia. I don't think they're going to be receiving votes anymore. Chattanooga 57, Austin P 52. Middle Tennessee State falls to Princeton 65-60 after a tough third quarter. Mm -hmm. UNC Asheville downs Tennessee State 53-38. Vanderbilt with a close win over Fairfield 73-70. Freed Hardeman down UT Southern 71-45. Oakland City was a 68-49 winner over Cumberland. Uh, Cumberland fell to the University of Providence in overtime 61-58. Just like the men, Trevecca defeated Southwest Baptist 70-55, and just like the men, took a five-point loss to Drew, 64-59.
Fisk was a 91-44 winner over Wilberforce. In college football action over the weekend, do we have to talk about this? Nope. Okay. Um, Missouri 36, Tennessee 7. Never really expected to see those numbers that way for that game. Yeah. Anyway, um, South Carolina 47, Vanderbilt 6. Austin P wins the United Athletic Conference Coalition, UAC, I don't know. Defeated Utah Tech 30 to 17, the Gubs did. Middle Tennessee State improves to three and seven with a 40 to six win over Florida International in the association. The Grizzlies defeated the Clippers 105-101. That's two. That is two. Two. High school basketball, regular season play officially begins this week and Franklin travels to Rossview for girls-boys doubleheader beginning at 6 o'clock tonight. Men's basketball, Western Carolina comes to the Glass House taking on MTSU. That's a 6.30 tip on the ESPN coming Plus. Off, coming off a win at Notre Dame is Western Carolina. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, so the craziness of college football is continuing on to the hardwood it, then, huh? It okay. is apparently. Okay. Um, women's basketball tonight, 5.30 on ESPN Plus. Memphis is at Tennessee. And at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, Cumberland is at Murray State. And, and that is... Well, there's... You, you, you did something and it cut and pasted some stuff. Uh -oh. And anyway, the Broncos are at the Bills tonight on, on Monday Night Football. It, it's up there between oh, there the yeah. NBA. Oh. I don't know what happened. Yeah, but Broncos at Bill 7:15 on ABC slash ESPN. Yeah, it's the Broncos. Yeah, that's probably we, why we could have just said forget it and not yeah. worried about it. But you know, yeah, some people will actually want to watch that. Anyway, that is your rundown. Better. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Top stories brought to you by Pig, Piggly Wiggly Neelingsville Shopping Center in I'm Columbia. I'm going to have to get longer arms. Yeah, oh, so you can <laughs> turn it down, turn it down. No, oh, man. Go over to Piggly Wiggly in Neelingsville if you're looking for good meat and vegetable lunch or cobblers or any of the sorts. You put it together yourself. Fresh hand-cut meats, great produce, all cost plus 10 at the register. Again, Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill in Columbia. You see it right there on your screen. We're going to talk about this here in just a minute with uh, John Bryce of Football Scoop, and we'll get into the, the specifics. But there are now how many schools without a permanent head coach? Hmm. Mississippi State, Boise State, Texas A&M, San Diego State, Michigan State, and Northwestern. Six. So, so that's six schools without that we know of. a permanent head coach. Goodness gracious. I don't know that there are six coaches <laughs> worthy of taking those jobs. But they will hire someone. Oh, they'll hire someone. <laughs> and they're going to pay them whether they want to or not. Now, the question becomes, will they pay them eight figures like some of the guys that no longer have jobs. Man, I, I, I can't imagine that that will be the case. I mean, is, is Jimbo Fisher a cautionary tale now for, for athletic departments? Oh, yeah. Jimbo's the only person that's ever going to get that deal. 
Ever. So he ruined it for everybody, huh? He did. He he ruined. Well, I guess. I mean, yes. Everybody he, that doesn't have a gig. Yes, he. But more Melton. specifically, Jimmy. Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton. So. Yeah, between 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 Jimbo and Mel Tucker. Folks are gonna be real wary of giving out those kind of paydays, I don't think. I don't I don't expect to see them taking place very much very often, very soon. Maybe down the road, but not right now. Um I, I don't think we're gonna get to this and, and you know, maybe we will mm-hmm. with, with John, but you know, what names are out there for these type schools? Now, obviously, Boise State, San Diego State, a little different, but... Yeah, Northwestern's a little different as well. It is. It but, is a little but different. But Michigan State, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, those are all schools that feel like they can get established, possibly power five head coaches. Yeah, th- those will be, uh, you know... <laughs> Mississippi State didn't even allow their coach to get through the first season, and he has a ranked win. (laughs) Didn't allow him to get through the first season as he replaces a coach who died. Wasn't fired. (laughs) I mean, that. I didn't see that one coming. Well, here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. If the team that you lost to by 41 fires their coach, then you've got to go too, right? Uh, you would think. Uh, I mean, that's, that, that seems to be... It would be difficult. It would be difficult to, to say, man, if they think that little of us, then... And, you know, and I'm not sure what Mississippi State's thought process was. I would love to know. Uh, Here's here's the problem with Mississippi State, and this is something we probably will get into with John, but the problem with Mississippi State is they recruited offensively for one thing. And they're doing something else. And trying to do something Zach Arnett else. had no interest in doing that thing. And so trying to make players fit your mold doesn't always work, especially in the Southeastern Conference. Round pig, square hole. And so, Zach Arnett was either going to have to be guaranteed four or five years, or this was going to happen. It was either going to be one way or the other. It was not going to be two or three years. Either they were going to be playing the long game or... Or not. And so now you got it. So then, if that's the case, and again, we're going to have John Bryce here in the next segment to, you know, kind of kick a lot of this stuff around. But if Zach Arnett is not your guy, then you are looking for an air raid type guy, right? Unless, which again, Zach Arnett was the defensive coach, and they weren't very good on defense either. So they just gave up 51 uh, the other day. To a guy that got fired. Right. Um, to a backup quarterback, to all the things that go with that. So you're either going to have to 
make sure, you know, the next guy's going to have to be like, yeah, I need four years. But in the world of transfer portals and the world of yeah, a lot of people in, are saying you don't need you don't need four, four years. years anymore. So it's but a lot of if you don't need four years, a lot of stuff's got to go right for you. It does. You got to well, I mean, again, kids are in the transfer portal. Why? Most of the time, why? Because they're not playing. Because they're not playing at Power Fives. So if they're not good enough to play somewhere else, what why makes you think they're going to play be, for you? Yeah, why, why do you think they're going to make a difference here? And the only kids that aren't in that boat are kids that are being enticed with NIL deals, etc. Mm-hmm. And you know the the big time players where the rich get richer. I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting to, to watch and unfortunate, <coughs> Excuse I me. think, um, because Mississippi State has, well, here's the, here's the, the, the X factor in, in, in this, is that the Southeastern Conference no longer has divisions, so you don't have to necessarily, you know, you, you, know, you, you, don't, you don't have to play LSU Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama, Auburn every year now. But you might catch Georgia more often. You might catch Tennessee more often. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to look at it. So I don't know. Should be interesting. I have no idea what to expect from these two coaching hires. Anyway, let's take a break. Um, Justin, you'll have to let us know when our guests are on because I can't see them uh, so hopefully John's on and we'll get to him in just a minute uh, he is not okay well hopefully he will be by the end of this break we're going to take a break nice. when we come back John Bryce football scoop will continue this coaching carousel uh, discussion right after this Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. 
And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated cost plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome to Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. It is Chris Yao and Maurice Patton here with you on this Monday, and what a Monday it has been to this point. Already. Let's just keep it going. <laughs> and I think it's about to get better. It, it is going to get better because we have with us Football Scoops' John Bryce joining us to talk a little bit more about these insane moves already taking place in the world of college football. The first domino falls, and that means the rest of them have to because you can't get left behind, right? So yeah. here we are. John, what's up? Good to be with you, gentlemen. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy season. We knew it was coming. It seems to come uh, a little bit earlier every year. I was telling someone earlier today, I still remember a couple of years ago when uh, Vanderbilt made the decision to fire uh, Derek Mason and shift into the Clark Lee era. I guess that was three years ago. Uh, that was Thanksgiving Sunday. I remember traveling. I'd been to visit my guide kids and I uh, started getting texts in an airport out west that Derek Mason was being fired. Immediately started working on that story. And uh, now here we are with significant movement already, uh, still two weeks before Thanksgiving Sunday. Yeah, John. Um, obviously, the talk about, <clears throat> excuse me. Jimbo Fisher had been in the air for, you know, it started last year, and the, the holdup seemed to be the buyout, and, and suddenly the buyout has become less problematic, I guess, out in College Station. But did you expect that, or when did you start to feel like that was going to take place? It had been certainly a, a trending topic of conversation throughout this season, um, but the indications were the buyout would be somewhat prohibitive and also that the Texas A&M would sort of see the, the tenor of the season and see how uh, the Aggies closed out the campaign. Um, I think that um, the ongoing situation at Michigan has um, perhaps accelerated some timetables because people aren't convinced that Jim Harbaugh will uh, be back there in 2024. I think the fact that 
Um, there's all the other stuff going on that um, they didn't want to risk after the big win on Saturday against Mississippi State. They didn't want to risk an 8-4 and four season and perpetuating mediocrity when they're paying for anything but mediocrity. So I think there were a handful of factors. Still a little bit surprised by the time coming off the 51-10 to 10 win, um, but this was far more about the games that the Texas A&M didn't win already, the games in which Texas A&M looked really disjointed, uh, and the fact that that's a program utterly desperate um, to win and to be relevant. And with each passing week that Texas looks more and more like a, a team positioned to be in the college football playoff, Texas A&M grew more and more desperate. Texas positioned to be in the college football playoff. LSU getting traction, Oklahoma heading to the SEC as well. Does all of that play into Texas A&M's decision to, you know, try to stay relevant? Absolutely. It, it's all factors. I mean, look, um, there's no other way to say it than that Texas A&M was highly pissed when uh, Texas and Oklahoma were invited to join the SEC. Um, and they've never been happy about it, and um, they're still not happy about it. And now um, Oklahoma has made a tremendous leap forward in year two under Brent Venables. Texas in year three under Steve Sarkeesian has that win at Alabama, uh, has played its worst game of the year and still should have beaten Oklahoma. We'll have a chance to atone for that and be a CFP team. So, yes, uh, Brian Kelly seems to have LSU, despite some defensive woes, uh, doing some good things and recruiting at a really high level. It's all factors, and they'll find the money. Uh, this is a program that just this year opened the largest indoor facility in all of college athletics, a 160-yard air-conditioned indoor football facility for the program. They'll find the money. They've got the oil bucks. They've got the beef bucks. Um, they just want to win. And, and I think it's incredible to note Texas A&M has only had one season of double-digit wins since 1998 and has not won a conference championship since 1998. All of that said, though, John, um, and we were talking, somebody's going to take the job. But, you know, who takes that job under those circumstances? And I guess it's you. You know what you're in for. Well, you know what you, you know what the paychecks are going to look like. Yeah, I mean, look, who takes that job? It's with that backdrop. It's still a good job. Um, and, and sorry, these today's a chaotic day, so the phone is still blowing up. It's still a really good job. It's still um, a job where you can get paid a lot of money. You have every resource at your disposal. Hardly any program in America has been more aggressive in the NIL marketplace than Texas A&M, um, and you're in a football-crazed state. And um, let's look at the fact that a year from now, 12 teams will be vying for a berth in the college football playoff. And so um, if you can be a, a 9- or 10-win team in the SEC moving forward, you're going to be hard-pressed to be kept out of the playoffs. So um, there will be people take that job, whether it's – Mike Elko, whether it's Jeff Trailer, who's an excellent coach, has deep Texas ties, uh, whether it's Elaine Kiffin, there's no shortage of, of interest in that job. And especially despite the absence of results, um, that's still considered a very good job in college athletics. John, my, my question is, has any other school in the history of college sports 
presented their buyout check at halftime of the game that they're firing their coach after? <laughs> no, no. They, uh, that that may have been the most impressive thing I've ever seen in my life. A $168 million check just, hey, hey, Jimbo. We're just going to sign this over <laughs> <you>. Yeah. <clears throat> Endorse right here if you don't mind. That, that was wild. Yeah. But it just goes to show the kind of money that Texas A&M is playing with here. Yeah, it, it's huge. It, it's They're incredibly deep-pocketed. Now, they don't have the endowment that, say, a University of Texas does, um, but they have people very, very motivated to win with very, very deep pockets, and they're absolutely willing to spend to win. I mean, look, they overpaid to begin with to get Jimbo Fisher away from Florida State uh, when anyone you could talk to around that program had made it clear by that point in time Fisher had worn out his welcome and had delivered the national championship that they so coveted uh, after Bobby Bowden, um, but they still overpaid for him. Then they renegotiated a new contract extension for him that was really um, ill-advised, and that's where, why they are where they are today. But the, having said all that, they will pay, and they'll pay top dollar to have a chance to beat Texas on the football field and have a chance to be a college football playoff participant. So they don't dial it back in the aftermath of this Jimbo Fisher. You you can't light $77 million on fire and then say you're going to get fiscally responsible. I mean, it just doesn't work. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because if, look, if you weren't going to go try to win championships immediately, just Let stick with stay. Jimbo. Okay. Right, right, exactly, and they and they don't want that again. They didn't even want to risk eight and four convincing them that they should give Jimbo one more year. They're convinced this is not it. He had one good year in 2020 where he was nine and one um, during the COVID year, uh, but again, they've not been a team that has had a double-digit winning season. I want to say since 2012. That's the only one since 1998. R.C. Slocum was Texas A&M's head coach the last time it won a conference championship. Jeez. Well, <clears throat> I guess in the words of former Florida AD Jeremy Foley, what's, what must be done eventually must be done immediately or something to that effect. I mean, if, I guess if they decided that that was the way to go, then you might as well go on and rip the Band-Aid off. Um, and it's never been, just real quickly, I would, like, we talk about it all the time. There has never, ever been more money in and around college athletics than right now, both with record-breaking television broadcast deals every year, record-breaking revenue from the SEC almost every year, coaching salaries at spots that they've never been before, and NIL, and now legalized gambling. There has never been more money, which means, along with the transfer portal, that coaches who used to get four and five years – um, now are looking at three years max in a lot of cases, or in, uh, as we saw this morning in a story we broke at Football Scoop, less than one year for Zach Arnett at Mississippi State. Nice segue. Um, <laughs> tell us about that one, because, I mean, under the circumstances, <clears throat> if Mississippi State had had their druthers, Zach Arnett would never have been their head coach, I guess. I mean, yeah, they were I mean, literally yeah. forced to make a change. Yeah, it was obviously the, the tragic passing of, of Mike Leach, and then they were also going through transition atop their athletics department at that time. Yeah, and, he didn't uh, AD when he got hired. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. And then on top of that, Arnett rallied the team and won the bowl game, I think, against Illinois and sort of stirred some emotions in that way. Um, but it was it was an odd fit. And then Arnett tried to make some real wholesale changes, particularly on the offensive side of the ball and the offensive philosophy. That proved very detrimental this year. Um, and Mississippi State could fire him for about $4.75 million. And they have offset language in there so that if he gets another job, they'll owe him even less money. So when you look at um, they're literally paying almost a 20th or whatever of what Texas A&M is on the hook to pay Jimbo Fisher, it made sense that Mississippi State believed it had to make a change and needed to do so now. You know, Chris, we were talking about the personnel, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, that, that was at Zach Arnett's disposal, and he was trying to do some things that maybe they weren't expecting to, to try to do collegiately. So, John, do they go offense in that position this time around, and do they go air raid-ish with that? Uh, I mean, I think you could... Yeah, I think you could look at a guy like uh, Dan Mullen. It's been indicated to me and us at Football Scoop that he would have great interest in returning to Mississippi State. Um, maybe a guy like Jamie Chadwell, who's done really great work in his first year at Liberty after doing really good things um, at, at Charleston Southern and Coastal Carolina. But I do think Mississippi State has to go offense. Um, they're in a difficult place to win, to have any sort of sustained success. Um, and when you're like that, you better play some exciting football uh, in order to help engender support, to make it exciting, to give your team a better chance to score some of these upsets. Uh, yes, I think very much that Mississippi State needs to look at offense. Dan Mullen. Yep, that, that just keeps popping up. Dan Mullen's return to Starkville. Hey, look. He was, he was most, good, most success they, they've ever had. He took them to number one. A lot of people forget. He had them number one in the college football playoff rankings. First ones ever, actually. <laughs> so, look, I mean, obviously Dak Prescott, you know, himself isn't going to walk through the door, but clearly Dan Mullen has had success recruiting to Starkville, and it's not easy to do. That being said, it wasn't in the NIL era. And I don't know how that, you know, how that changes things. But I also don't know, I mean, how much does, you know, does Texas A&M being open, does, uh, you know, obviously Michigan State probably not going to factor into a Southeastern Conference coaching hire too much. But, I mean, there are, this is not going to be the end. I mean, who's next? Yeah, I mean, look, um, Every indication is that Dana Holgerson uh, will be done at, at Houston in, in the near future. Um, it's just not worked out there the way they expected. Um, again, Jim Harbaugh is going to go to court on Friday and try to get permission, uh, trying to get a legal order that will allow him to coach while the Big Ten has him suspended. But I don't have, we don't have anyone at Football Scoop telling us that they expect Jim Harbaugh to be Michigan's coach in 2024. Uh, so. A, a carousel that literally 10 days ago looked like it would be heavy, heavy activity for some top-end offensive and defensive positions for the for the upper-level assistant coaching jobs has now started spinning up to an even greater extent uh, at the head coach level, and, and we're not done with that. We won't be done with that. And Houston, you know, as it gets ready to move into the Big 12, is now technically another Power 5 job opening. Uh, or that will be open sooner rather than later. We saw Brady Hope 
is stepping down or, or parting ways with San Diego at the San Diego State in the very near future. Boise State fired Andy Avalos, um, which Brian Harson probably will be a factor to potentially return there. Not the only factor, but he's someone to look at. Um, it still remains to be seen what's going to happen, I think, at Syracuse. So um, there's still a number of moves that could happen, and I really think we're going to see an extreme amount of activity among assistant coaches. I think Dino would be a really good coach somewhere with college football, you know, mentality. I think he's done a great job at Syracuse in, you know, in regards to what he has to work with there. Yeah, it's a tough spot to recruit. Um, it's a tough spot in the NIL space. It's a basketball first school. Um, there's been some obvious, you know, weird things happening at Syracuse in recent years with the way the whole Bayheim exit was handled. It's not been the easiest place to play. He was a really good offensive mind. They've had some offensive success. They had that win against Clemson a few years ago. Uh, they just have not been able to sustain anything, and they get out the they get out the fast starts, and then their season just completely goes off the rails. You mentioned Michigan State. Um, Northwestern also, yes, going to hire a coach. You would think so. Yeah, and now that interim coach is um, giving them a chance. You know, I thought Northwestern uh, would be lucky to win two or three games this year, and uh, they just keep surprising people. Former Tennessee offensive coordinator Mike Bajakian is there. He's done a really nice job maximizing what that Northwestern offense can do. Um, Jim Harbaugh today talking about how Michigan should be America's team. I would uh, I would point no and look at what Northwestern has overcome uh, to be in the position it's in and playing with a lot of courage and fortitude, I think. No question. So in Michigan could be a, a factor, which if if that's the case, Michigan State needs to get on the ball. They need to hire a coach quick. Yeah, I mean, timing is everything. That's why people are making the moves more and more um, because of the accelerated cycle, because of the transfer portal, because of NIL, because of early signing day in December. All those are factors in ramping up the timelines. Um, I think Michigan State has a great interest in Mike Elko. Um, I think Mike Elko, what he's done at Duke in two years is remarkable. Um, I think Mike Elko will have multiple jobs that uh, he can be as serious a contender as he wants to. Interesting. And, and John, in that situation, if you're Mike Elko at Duke right now, you have to leave, right? Yeah. Um, I call it resetting the clock. And a coach always wants to reset his clock a year too early than a year too late. And um, I, I just think it's incredible that they do that. Um, I just think that's incredibly important. John, we're going to let you get out of here. Get back to your phone. I know it's, uh, it's going to be I'm doing tough. that right now. My boss is calling. Thanks, boys. Ooh, thank, thank you, John. All right. We're uh, going to take a break. I heard it get vibrant. I was like, man, John needs to go. Uh, so let's get, let's get out and come back. Uh, more Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint uh, with you right after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company technology, the best handymen are hands-off. 
Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. into Main Street Sports today as Chris adjusts my volume in my ears. Much appreciated. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Chris Yao. And um, it's Monday. It, it is the Mondayest Monday we've had in a while. Yeah, usually Monday happens on like Wednesday. No, it's, it's not today. It it's is definitely Monday. It's following the script. Without question. Yeah. Um, so, time for some Monstars. Monstars, our top performers from the weekend. And we will not have any from JK today. Sorry, yeah. folks, I know you were looking forward to which Titan he was going to pick. And <laughs> well, it would have been interesting exactly. in a 20 to 6 loss to, to see who he would have picked. Precisely. That's yeah. why I was very excited to, to hear. But, yeah, uh, it's a little. Maybe he can text us one or something. But uh, anyway, that said, I'll defer to you. All right, we can start with me. That's start fine. with I'm you. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna start in college, mm -hmm. uh, even though I have. There, are, there are a couple of high school kids, and I want to wait until you pick a high school kid before I pick one because there are. I have two options, and I don't know if one of them is going to be yours. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start in college, and we're going to go with, and y'all don't shoot the messenger. You can't be mad at me for this. Cody Schrader, 35 <laughs> carries, 205 yards, 116 receiving yards, and a touchdown. 205 rushing and 116 receiving. What do you That's 321 yes. rushing and receiving. And so yeah. you, you can be mad at me if you want. But you weren't the one not tackling him, right? So... Got to give it to him. Got to give him his props. That's fair. That's fair. Um, 
I'm gonna take a high school guy off your plate, okay? Um, stop me if you've heard this before. Columbia Academy's Monte Baldwin had 243 rushing yards on 41 carries, scored four times in the Bulldogs' 48-41 win over Jackson Christian, pushing them within one victory of a berth in the Division IIA state championship game. So, was he on your list? He was not. Okay. Because well, I assumed he was on yours. Okay. Well, so. Okay. So then the floor is still yours. The floor is mine. Listen. If you thought that, what, what did I say, 321? 321. If you thought 321 and a touchdown was good, how about 378 and five touchdowns mm -hmm. for Kamari Turner of Giles County in their 70 to 29 win over McMinn Central had 181 receiving yards, 106 rushing yards and the rest in the return game. And, oh yeah, he added a pick just for good measure. Slept well. <laughs> I bet he did, because slept late. <laughs> I certainly would have, but Kamari Turner, Giles County, man, for a kid who went from being a, basically a quarterback, mm -hmm. to, you know, being able to actually play a natural position. Oh, don't be fooled. I'm sure they still stick him back there in some wild cat oh, every now and then. Sure, but because David O'Connor is never going to miss an opportunity to create a little chaos with his best player. And you know, allowing him the opportunity to to you know to catch the ball, to run the ball. I mean, they they put they they do so many different things with him, and I am just amazed every time you watch the kid play. Uh, it, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, I'm I'm looking for big things out of him, and hopefully soon we'll have some idea where he will be continuing his career. Because if it's it, it'll be somewhere. He's a little small, but I think he can play. He plays so much bigger. Mm -hmm. And so Kamari Turner is my monster number two. And the thing is, the thing about him is speed don't slow. Does not. Can't coach it. Um, my Monstar number two. I've got a couple of options here, but I'm, I think I'm just going to go with the obvious one. Don't, don't overthink it. He was the halfway Heisman, according to the Associated Press. And so with, the, with that making the three-quarters Heisman now? Could be. Yeah. Jalen Daniels. Out of LSU, 372 passing yards, three touchdowns, 234 rushing yards, and a pair of touchdowns as LSU dismantled yeah. Florida. That's 500 nine. plus, right? There's a that's, three and a two, so there's 500 plus. It's at least it's 606. 606. Oh, my gosh. How do you have 600 oh, yards by yourself? Well, by not your, by yourself, but by yourself. By yourself. My gosh. Six. Jaden Daniels oh, is a six. cheat code. An absolute hey, don't, cheat code. Hey, don't, don't say that in this climate. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, what a fantastic game from, from him, no, no doubt. Um, I'm going to go with Bo Nix. At one point, he was two for two for like, 160 yards and two touchdowns. 
We call those high school numbers. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I don't even know. That, that's hard to do against air. We, we call those high school numbers. And the defense, the, the new defensive coordinator at USC is going, this is my first game? I got to oh, play right. this guy? Right. You, know, uh, you, you could have kept Grinch one more week. One more week. <laughs> and, you know, he finished 23 of 31 for 412 and four touchdowns against USC. And, you know... The problem here, and, and there are a lot of people who have Bo Nix in the top three for Heisman, but for me to, for, for my prediction to, to, to come true, some things are going to have to happen, like Jaden Daniels disappearing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't foresee that happening. <laughs> so. <laughs> Was, what was the movie? Oh, where uh, Celtic Pride? Yes. <laughs> where are they yes, where they kidnapped the, the dude from the Knicks. <laughs> kidnapped the player. That's, that's it. That's, that's the, literally the only way that this is going to happen. Oh. <laughs> Don't expect it. Uh, Bo Nix is not going to win the Heisman Trophy, but he's going to be in New because York. Because Jaden Daniels isn't going to get kidnapped. Because Jaden Daniels is not going to get kidnapped, at least I don't think. Uh, so, yeah, I certainly think that that's... I mean, that, that it would be really hard for you to give it to anybody but Daniels right now. So. Yeah, Saturday might have been his Heisman moment right there. My number three monster um, just illustrates the dire straits that the Tennessee Titans are in. C.J. Stroud, 356 yards and a touchdown, and engineered the game-winning drive as Houston kicked a field goal to walk off Cincinnati 30-27. Man, uh, and that game played like a Power 5 game. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> it did. It it just it felt like one. And, and you know, and... You know, when you're talking about coaches who, you know, deserve a shot at a bigger place, you know, you, you might be thinking about, you know, the coach at the other school that moved up, UCF, real up-and-comer, their coach is. Yeah. Okay. He deserves a shot. <laughs> no? Okay. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention, since we got a little bit of time, John Ross Plumley. 11 for 18 for 299. That's efficient. Wow. <laughs> Three touchdowns on those he 11 completion, completions. 11 uh, for 18 for 299 and three touchdowns. Wow. He's right there with your two for two for 160. <laughs> yeah. And he added 74 on the ground. Oh, wow. Just for good measure. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, he, he was a guy, when he was at Ole Miss, he was a dual threat kind of mm -hmm. guy like that. So, He's um, perfect for the Gus, Gus Malzahn offense. Mm -hmm. He is the perfect guy. And that's, I mean, that and coupled with the defense that they put on Oklahoma State. They trashed Oklahoma they absolutely, State. Absolutely. Was 38-3 to three or something? Something like that. I mean, it was an absolute beatdown. Yeah, so, they couldn't have to a better guy. You know, you know. Uh, and he, he, one he, other... I don't. I, here's my honorable mention. Go ahead. Because you're not. 
Jalen Milrow, 234 yards, three touchdowns, also rushed for three touchdowns as Alabama torched Kentucky at the big sack. Kroger Field. Yeah, you know, again, and I've said this, Jalen Milrow in the second half of the Tennessee game, when whoever walked to his locker and said, Jalen, you have to run the read option as if you are a runner. Whoever said that changed the, changed the direction <laughs> of that game. Assistant coach of the year, huh? Whoever said that changed the direction of that game, their season, his season. and maybe his career. Because Jalen Milrow was not a good enough quarterback at that point. When he became an effective runner, Alabama became a very dangerous football team. And the fact is this, when we're talking about college football playoff, I know that Washington can only do, they can can only go undefeated. That's all they can do. (laughs) But there's not a world in this universe where Alabama doesn't beat Washington today on a neutral field by three touchdowns. Alabama may be the second best team in this country, and they're not going to get a chance to play for a national title unless some things happen. A lot's going to have to happen. Two teams are going to have to lose. Well, one of them is going to lose, and they have to beat the other. (laughs) So... If Alabama beats Georgia, does Georgia not go? No, they can't. They can't go. A one-loss Georgia. A one-loss Georgia can't go to the college football playoff. Not this year. Because you're going to have one-loss Oregon or one-loss or or undefeated Washington involved. You're going to have Florida State involved. You're going to have Texas, who has to go, especially if Alabama wins the SEC championship. They beat the SEC champion. In Tuscaloosa. On the road. Now, again, not the same football team, and if they played today in Austin, I think Alabama would beat them. But you got to take the, the result of the, on the field in the year that we're playing. So it is what it is. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, things gotta have, gotta, have got to happen. It's just going to be interesting, man. Yeah, no doubt. Let's take a break. Terry McCormick's on the other side of this break with your daily Titans report. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. He shoots. And he scores! Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER 
while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Welcome back in. It's time now for your Daily Titans Report with Terry McCormick, powered by Zen Sports. Terry, what's up? Guys, uh, just got out of Mike Brable's press conference a little while ago, and I'm sure it, is your, it is your Daily Titans Report, powered by Zen Sports. Bet you can't guess what the topic of conversation was. Uh, tell me. Well, it would be a well, good bet to make on Zen Sports. There's a lot about the offensive line and uh, about all the hits that Will Levis took in yesterday's ball game. So uh, certainly a worthwhile topic to discuss. One thing that uh, stood out to me in this, a couple things. First of all, he said that he's not you know, concerned that this is going to make Levis gun shy or get him hurt or anything like that. He said they have to protect the quarterback better, obviously. But uh, the other thing is with Andre Dillard now in the concussion protocol, he talked about the left tackle situation for this week in Jacksonville. And he said that uh, Dylan Raidens obviously finished up the game. And he said that admittedly Raidens' performance yesterday was not up to the standard that uh, they need there, which leads me to ask, well, what is the standard there? Because Dillard, uh, you know, be, being able to walk upright would probably be the standard as, as before. But, uh, you know, if they don't go with Dylan Raiden's there, then he talked about the possibility of Jalen Duncan getting a shot there. And that brings me to the question of this. If Jalen Duncan was ready to be the left tackle, then why didn't you just put him at left tackle yesterday? Because he was active instead of putting a practice squad down at right guard and sliding Ravens out to left tackle. So your guess is as good as mine, guys, where this left tackle situation is going. I'm telling you, it, it's not like baseball where you can call up a guy from AAA and put him at second base and let him play. It's, you know, football's entirely different. This will not be fixed until the offseason. Right. So they're going to do everything but place Skaronski at left tackle, basically. It sure sounds that way. <laughs> It sure sounds like it. I mean, to me, that's the logical area to go to and try to, you know, see what this kid can do. You spent a first-round pick on him for a reason. Uh, to me, if, when you look at the five guys that are out there, that they've trotted out there on the offensive line, this is the only one that is a building block for the future. The other four are not long-term solutions. Maybe one or two of them could hang around as a, to compete to be a starter or be a backup next year, but you're going to have to overhaul this again in the offseason. And it starts with finding a left tackle in the draft if Skaronski is not going to get a chance to be that guy. The thing about it, Terry, is, and, and we probably talked about this at some point on this show, either with you or somebody else, this roster was such that you couldn't fix everything in one year. So, I mean, it's not necessarily anybody's fault where they are in terms of this offensive line. Yeah, it was always going to take more than one offseason to try and fix it. But I'll say this, something I put out on Twitter a while ago, you know, and people are talking about how, uh, you know, 
that they just go ahead and move on from Brable. That's not going to happen. Look, uh, this situation, it's sort of like whenever there's a presidential administration change, and I think I may have brought this analogy up before with you guys. Whenever there's an administration change, a new guy comes in, new party, whatever, for about a year, they get a grace period. They can say, well, we inherited this problem from so-and-so, and it's going to take this amount of time to fix it. But after that grace period of about a year or so, then it becomes your problem. You've got to fix the mess, whether you created the mess or not. So I think it's now been almost a year since John Robinson was fired. So this offseason, to my way of thinking, the clock starts ticking on Mike Brable and Rand Cop, uh, you know, ran and Rand Carthen finishing this thing and fixing it the way it needs to be fixed, even if they didn't have much of a hand in making it this way. I thought it was rather interesting, my timeline on Sunday and this morning, about how terrible the offensive line was and how, you know, it wasn't Will Levis's fault because, you know, he hasn't gotten a lot of help from his wide receivers and, you know, <laughs> how often have I been saying that in regards to Ryan Tannehill and getting dragged on Twitter for it? But anyway, uh, gotta here. Let's look at some positives. Okay, there aren't a lot of them, so this won't take long. But so this will be a short segment. You're saying very short here. But I'm I'm interested to hear this. Will Levis making Kyle Phillips relevant is pretty impressive, and maybe his most impressive feat yet. Wow. I mean, yeah, the, the two of them do seem to have a connection. You know, I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins one, Kyle Phillips two so far in terms of who he looks for to throw the football to. Uh, you know, and the other thing here, and we not to. More. <laughs> not, okay, so here's my question to that, though, Terry. Do they have some type of a simpatico from probably haven't gotten some work in together when, when they were both hurt with, they or were when, neither of them, when neither of them was running with the ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some of that because Phillips was one of those guys that went, as he was coming back from the knee injury, he worked a lot with Levis on the days that they were bringing Levis and Malik Willis in to get extra reps on Mondays and Tuesdays to try and get them both up to speed. So Phillips has that time working with Levis. So they kind of, you know, he kind of has a feel for what Levis wants to do, where he wants to go with the football and how, he, you know, and how it's going to be delivered. And likewise, on the other end of that, Levis kind of knows, you know, what type of route runner Phillips is and how to get him the football. So, yeah, there was some benefit to both of them being there together. Uh, not unlike how Tannehill and A.J. Brown developed A.J.'s rookie year. Remember, Tannehill was the backup. A.J. Brown had had a hamstring problem, wasn't the starter in training camp. So, but the two of them had a great, developed a great rapport from the fact that they were both working with the second unit at the start, and then it absolutely translated once they both moved into the starting line. Yeah, and then they got in trouble for working out over at NBA together. So <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> So, I mean, but yeah, they, there's always, we, we talked about that last year with Joe Milton and Ramel Keaton slash Squirrel, Squirrel White. White. Mm -hmm. You know, they had all year working together as the twos, and, and so they looked great in the end, you know, at the end of the regular season. So that's important, but it doesn't matter if you're not, you know, able to stand. <laughs> and unfortunately, that does seem to be 
the Titans' biggest issues. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the left tackle position looks like. I'm curious to see what the right guard position looks like uh, this weekend. And, Terry, it's just a the, – the, the Titans find themselves in a precarious position. And a top five, six, seven pick isn't out of the realm of possibility at this point. No, I think they'd be picking – I saw one place said they'd be picking number seven right now and one place that said they'd be picking number eight. Uh, one of them had them in front of the Rams and one had the Rams in front of them. So, uh, you know, you're looking at a pretty high pick and I think you probably have to use that on a left tackle. Uh, you know, I don't know that, uh, you know, you could always, you know, take a shot at Marvin Harrison Jr. if you get up that high, but uh, I think – you know, protecting this quarterback and being able to do something uh, that allows you to run the football and have a little bit of balance on offense it has got to be the, the top priority this offseason. You know, it, it wouldn't shock me if they, if they add three new pieces on the offensive line minimum. Well, it's interesting you say that because when you say run the football, uh, with who? Well, probably be Tajay Spears unless they decide that, you know, they want to offer a short extension to Derrick Henry and keep him around for another year or unless they want to add somebody else. I mean, to me, you know, I still think there's kind of unfinished business with Derrick Henry. I would, if he's willing to stay through this rebuild, I would offer him a one or two year contract and let him do it. That that was my question was that how, how do they view you know, how do they view Derrick Henry? Do they view that he is, you know, I, I mean, it's clear to me that, yeah, he's not hitting home runs like he used to, but he's still capable of giving you Derrick Henry-type yards and Derrick Henry-type games. And I tweeted earlier today, a actually retweeted a graphic, that shows that anytime Derrick Henry runs for 15 times or less, the Titans lose. And I know they're playing catch up, but that's that. It, it, it doesn't matter if Derrick Henry scores touchdowns instead of field goals. You know, you got a better chance of winning. So I'm curious how you know Tim Kelly being the offensive coordinator coordinator factors into that because clearly Tim Kelly has a a Mike Malarkey style thought process in that Derrick Henry, if he only gets two yards of carry for three or four times, we got to go away from him because he's not capable. And that's what got well, Mike Malarkey fired. Well, tell me if you guys agree or disagree, but, you know, to my way of thinking, you know, and yes, things look terrible right now. There, You really can't grade much of anybody and say, this guy's playing well, this guy's, you know, not playing well or whatever because things are so bad. Pretty much, you know, the offensive line is so bad that it's hard to get a real gauge on how well the running game's going with Derrick Henry or how well, you know, how much development Will Levis has. But I think going forward, as you, you know, and you're talking about, if we're talking about, uh, you know, re-signing Derrick Henry, I think you do it with this caveat. I think – that going forward, starting now and then especially ramped up in the offseason, this has to become Will Levis's team. The offense has to run through him. 
you have to get receivers beyond DeAndre Hopkins who can help him. You have to get an, an offensive line that can play in front of him. It's time to move into the 21st century. And if Derrick Henry comes back, that's great. But he needs to be the complementary piece to Will Levis and what this offense needs to do rather than be the featured back that gets to, that has to touch the ball 25 times in order for this team to have a chance to win. Here's my argument to that. Four division titles. But but that's as far as it takes you. It doesn't it it hasn't gotten them to a Super Bowl. Not not with the current configuration that they have. I mean, could they should they have gone to a Super Bowl? Could they have had, in 2019? Yes, if they can on the road and win at Kansas City. If they don't, you know, poop the bed and throw and Tannehill throws three interceptions and they lose by a field goal against Cincinnati as the number one seed. Yes. But to my way of thinking on this, you know, if you build around Henry now, moving forward, yes, you need him, but you can't move you can't build around a thirty year old running back and sustain that success for long term. I think you have to build around a guy you think can be a franchise quarterback, let him go see if he can be like Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or, or Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. Build it around him. If it doesn't work, everybody's probably getting fired anyway. If it doesn't well, work, that, you've, got to, you've got to give this kid the chance. I think that's a fine argument, but here's my argument to that. You build around him, that's fine. But the offense still runs through Derrick Henry, and now you have eased Will Levis into a two- or three-year transition into being a number one quarterback. You've built the offensive line, and by the time that you now have a decent offensive line, you've got a couple of receivers. By the time Derrick Henry's gone in two years, you've come into the 21st century. You can then run your offense through Will Levis. And if he's not the case, and if he's not the answer, then you only lose one year because your third-year quarterback isn't good enough. You go get one, but you've got all the options around him. You've got all the help you need around him. So run your offense through Derrick Henry for two more years, and ease Will Levis in. That's that's the way I would do it. But who am I, and what do I know? <laughs> Mo, you've been silent on this. What what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like you're both right. Really, uh, you, there's no wrong answer. You could do either no, one. No, but I think I think I think you may both be saying the same things. Actually, I, I mean the thing is, Derrick Henry isn't the focal point of your offense, but he is your feature back. Could be. I mean, but I think he's got to run the ball 22 times to be to be to be anywhere effective. Derrick Henry has to touch the ball 20 to 25 times a game or he's not effective, period. I don't know that a 30-year-old running back commands those type touches is the only concern. Okay, well, then you got to get rid of him and go, the, yeah. and, and go the route of, you know, throw it at 40 times a game. That's I not looking great right now, but, I mean, maybe in well, two years it does. I think there's well, going to be a happy here, medium between giving it to Derrick Henry 25 times a game and throwing not. it 40 times That's a game. That's what I'm trying to tell you is there's not. It's either, it's either one or the other. Okay. Because so you're not saying the same thing. No, not on, and I don't agree with you. I'm saying that Derrick Henry, <laughs> if Derrick Henry can't touch it 22 to 25 times a game, get rid of him. Don't re-sign him. Period. 
But you're but you're going you're going to kill Will Levis's confidence because he doesn't have any damn receivers. You're going to get him hurt because he doesn't have any damn offensive linemen. So and that is build the line, build the receivers, let Derrick Henry work for two years, and then in two years when Will Levis has receivers and an offensive line, then we'll know whether or not he's good enough. And if he's not, you're able to draft a receiver or draft a quarterback, and you've got receivers and a line to work with. I mean, I see what you're saying. I just think that the overall philosophy, if it's going to change, if you're going to be more of an open offense, if you're going to, you know, ride with Will Levis, then you need to hand him the keys to the car right now, and you need to put weapons around him that will work. Josh Allen was a very average-looking quarterback, and then Stephon Diggs arrived, and what happened? Well, and now, look at, and now look at Josh Allen because yeah. they don't have a running back. Yeah, they have really kind of soured on Josh Allen all of a sudden in Buffalo over that very – so, you know, it's going to be an interesting transition to keep an eye on as Will Levis establishes himself as QB1 for the Titans and, you know, how they – how they address everything around him because you can't just go, okay, this is our new quarterback, let's go, when you've got so many other deficiencies all over the field offensively. And yeah. considering I that Derrick Henry is one of the few non-deficiencies, you know, it. you have to figure out a way to make him effective in this offense because he's certainly not a he's not a negative you got to figure out how to work with him and how to get the most out of him to be as good as you can be and that's on Vrabel and Kelly the well, I, I agree I do agree with that I just think that if the Titans are going to maximize Will Levis and I'm not saying he needs to throw 40 passes every game but it sure would I mean I think you're doing him a disservice if you don't go right now in this offseason and fix the offensive line and add some speed on the outside. Add a guy. I don't, I don't care if a guy can block a cornerback on a run if he can run a 4-3 because I'm going to send him down the field and I'm going to have Levis uncork that 70-yard arm of his and hit the guy in stride for a touchdown. I don't care if he can block somebody. Sounds like, I don't know, maybe in the third round or even the fourth round because he was still on the, on the board, they could have gotten a guy with that kind of speed who was the best receiver in college football last year. Yep. As evidenced by him winning the award for best receiver in college football. But hey, yes. again, who am I and what do I know? <laughs> Terry, we've talked enough Titans. I'm 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 boiled up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you. Uh, 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 what, what would you call it? Um, humoring me as I argue for Derrick Henry's life. I guess as, as a, a Titan. Titan. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, tell us about Zen Sports, and we will get you on your way. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Zen Sports. You've been hearing me talk about Zen Sports, the new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. 
Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum if the bet loses. And there's even more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. The new VIP rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel that your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sports book will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Wall. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, R.A. Dickey. R.A., did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. <laughs> other guy Wham married the best looking girl Bananarama, so other guy Wham had a pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yow, Maurice Patton. Let's talk a little bit about the National Football League. I have a question for you. Would you rather have, as your starting quarterback, Zach Wilson or Mac, Mac Jones? Zach Wilson. <laughs> and that's, you saying it that quickly is is a pretty, uh, pretty damning thought for Mac Jones, but I watched they're bad. I watched a lot of that game last night, the Jets and the Raiders. And the Raiders won, but Yeah, sixteen twelve I think. But I don't think I think Zach Wilson had a bad interception late, but he gave him a chance to win. Late interceptions when you're trying to come back 
are almost always defensible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it goes, you know, trying to make a they, play. Well, and they know that you're throwing the ball. There's, there's no, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the National Football League knows you're throwing it. It's going to be tough to throw it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that just is what it is. They drive Mercedes, too. Well, and, and, and I don't know if you, I think I mentioned this last week, that, that scoring is down in the NFL to like the average score is like 21.7 points a game now. With all the rules changes to to benefit the offense, the defenses have adjusted. Mm -hmm. And all this talk about moving into the 21st century, I'm not sure if I want to at this point because clearly... 20th century might not have been all that bad. I mean, the 21st century offenses aren't looking so great right now because here... How many times have we seen it? The wishbone, the air raid, the you know the fun and gun, and every little niche offense. Defenses always figure it out. Yeah, they all kind of run their course. They always figure it out. So at what point do we go back to the eye formation and fullbacks are a thing again? I don't know. I mean, normalize fullbacks. I'm gonna get to put that on a shirt. Yeah, I, I think I like normalized fullbacks better than I like run the damn ball. Yeah. <laughs> Normalized fullbacks are great, but yeah, maybe, I, maybe that's our new hashtag. <laughs> I'm going to, with it to, to replace Rand as a plan because I'm not necessarily sure he does. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. But anyway, that is that is, that is interesting that you went so quickly to say Mac Jones is bad. Yeah, he certainly was yesterday. Bailey Zappi came in three for eight, thirty-six yards and a pick. But again. You they know, knew he but, had to throw it. But here's the thing about all that. Mac Jones is bad. Bailey Zappi's not much better. And Bill Belichick is grasping at straws. And they, here's the thing, though. And, and again, they don't have a run game. No run game to speak of. You know, and, and they the, ain't got really good receivers. I mean, they don't have any receivers worth the crap. Well, and, and that kind of goes back to what you said. A second ago and in the last segment. When they know you have to throw the ball, they don't have to worry about the run game. They don't have to worry, you know, they don't have to play action. What's that? Yeah. You know, so. I mean, that it can, having a successful run game changes the dynamic of your team drastically. It's why, it's it why changes the, Eagles, the dynamic of the opposing defense as well. It's why the Eagles are so good because. One, Jalen Hurts is a second running back. It's uh, it, it's very simple. You know, this is why teams that are successful are successful. I mean, obviously the the, the Chiefs are a little bit different, but they're not, not a lot. But they're not they're not scoring a lot of points right now either. They're winning with defense right now, and 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 they're 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 scoring enough. But Pacheco, but gives them a threat in the pa- run game. Pacheco is, is is solid, but look at the Ravens. They've got they've got three running Who backs. Who is Keaton Mitchell? Because no. the only Keaton Mitchell I was familiar with is a former soccer player at Battleground Academy, and he's and she's a she. Oh, I, I don't know who this person is. I, I'm, I don't either. But I mean, you you just if you look, you look at at the at the Ravens right now, and they just look like a completely uh, over. They they are. Overmatching teams every single week, just straight talent, mm-hmm. and they do it because they've got Gus Edwards. They do it because Lamar Jackson is a credible threat running the football. 
if you have to keep linebackers in the box, you're going to be more successful throwing the football. The Titans do, or the the, the Titans, the, the Patriots don't have to do that. <laughs> nor do the Titans. Oh, I mean, the Titans do, but that's it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> again, Christian McCaffrey for the 49ers obviously is a huge threat. The Jaguars said. Christian McCaffrey's not going to beat us. Brock Purdy's going to have to. Well, he did. He did. Right. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's 17-game touchdown streak ended. Had scored in 17 consecutive games. That streak ended, which is kind of sad because that's a mm-hmm. heck of a streak. I'd give it up for that. Well done. I mean, you basically scored in every game for an entire season. That's that's remarkable. It really is. Now, you know, he's been hurt, but crap. You score as many touchdowns as you do, people hit you a lot. So you're bound to get hurt, I would think. Uh, um, the Cardinals beating the Falcons. Heineke goes down late with a hamstring injury. Kyler Murray, <gasps> sorry, leads the Cardinals to a to a win in his return. And man, that fan base is in fire everybody mode. Uh, the Falcons? Yeah, I mean they're they're firing. They're they're getting rid of everybody named Arthur if they could. Smith and Blank. Yeah, and you know that's what they wanted. They wanted Taylor Heineke. They begged for Heineke. Mm-hmm. So maybe this was the, maybe this was Arthur Smith's South Florida. You want him? You got him. And, you know, B. John carried it 22 times for 95 yards. I think the Falcons, you know, the Falcons have the ability to be a team that can give you a lot, I mean, on offense. Yeah. I mean, you talk about B. John Robinson. You, you've still got Kyle Pitts, uh, and they've, they've got some pieces. London? Oh, Drake London. The, is he a rookie? Second-year guy. Think he's second year. Yeah, yeah, they got pieces. So I mean, and then so they lost. <laughs> they lost to Josh Dobbs's current team, and then they lost to Josh Dobbs's former team. Yeah, there you go. That is kind of sad. Yeah. Speaking of Josh Dobbs, how about Josh Dobbs? How about Josh Dobbs? Had to get directions to the. <clears throat> home team's locker room when he got to, um, what is it, Bank of, not Bank of America, U.S. Bank Field? Yeah. So. 23 of 34, 268 and a touchdown. Obviously also ran for 44 and a touchdown. Ty Chandler. Yeah. How about you, NBA? Big weekend for NBA. Ty Chandler scores his first NFL touchdown. Big, big red, get big a, red rolls. Roll get, red. Get a, uh, a walk-off field goal in the playoffs. Um, I don't. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but especially in the NFL, backup quarterbacks and tight ends. For some reason, I guess because they're big targets, they're mm-hmm. they're, they're typically medium-length routes. They're a little bit easier to security blankets, but. 
TJ Hawkinson, he did. He he absolutely destroyed me this week in, in fantasy. I, uh, playing against him, 11 catches, 134 yards, a touchdown. I think he scored like 33 points. I mean, it was just it, it was just bad. Um, but you know, you got to be impressed with you know with, with the guys like Hawkinson who are able to give Dobbs that security blanket, and they look great. Uh, on the other side, Jameis Winston comes back in. Uh, after Derek Carr goes down and may have, you know, may have said, "Hey, this offense runs a little bit better when I'm behind center." Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, he threw two picks, but he also threw two touchdowns. Well, you know. Jameis, as we saw during his reign in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians, he's gonna throw picks. Yeah. He's gonna turn the ball over because he's but a because he's 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 a gunslinger, man. He is a gunslinger. I mean, but nobody talked about and and you know maybe this is blasphemy. I'll, I'll warn you on the front end. Uh, people didn't talk about Brett Favre's interceptions. No. I, because you knew what you were getting. He's gonna throw it into tight windows. He's going to sometimes complete, those windows close. He, he's going to complete more of those than he doesn't. So he is going to turn the ball over. Maybe Jameis trusts his arm a little bit too much, but if he doesn't, he's not the quarterback that you need him to be overall, probably. So you probably got to, if you're going to roll with Jameis, then you're going to roll with the interceptions. Well, again, my problem with the Saints is that they have Alvin Kamara and they don't use him. I mean, this is, this well, is like that watching. That probably won't be a problem much longer. Well, I mean, they, this is a Butch Jones type issue here. <laughs> you have him, use him. I don't understand why you would not want to utilize a running back who has the abilities of an Alvin Kamara. Makes no sense. It just doesn't. So I don't know. But anyway, um, before we get out of here on the NFL subject, mm-hmm. last but not least, the Texans. They might win this division. And even if they don't, they might get a wild card. Wouldn't that be something? And D'Amico Ryans has to be your coach of the year. Oh, gosh, yes. If, especially if they win the South. Even though as, you know, as bad as the South is, they won it. They win it <laughs> in his first year with a rookie quarterback. I mean, you've got to be impressed by this, man. Are, 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 we, are we ready to say that Houston got it right? I, I think, think we felt that way from the get. We did. Yeah. Collectively across the country, I don't know. I, I think, I think one, I think Houston got the right coach, but I also think they got the right quarterback. But I'm not sure that there would be a difference between C.J. Stroud and Will Levis right now if Will Levis were in Houston. Because would there be a difference in C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young? If, if C.J. were in Stroud. Carolina? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Bryce, Bryce Young is Bryce Young is the third quarterback in that situation. He may be fourth behind Anthony Richardson. So you think Levis was the number two quarterback? Is what you're saying? Based off what we've seen, I don't know. Anthony Richardson could be, but I think Will Levis is based off what we've seen the second best quarterback. If if Will Levis were in Houston, I think he would have similar numbers to C.J. Stroud because their offensive line is among the best in the league. Particularly the left side of it. You just think Shaq Mason's people are listening. I, well, not just that, but Laramie <laughs> Tunsil is a—he's an elite left tackle. He just is. Yeah. And 
That makes all the difference in the world. Sure it does. When you can protect your quarterback, it's amazing what happens. I mean, they're five and four right now, and they're probably, I mean, they're right there on the doorstep. They're, they're going to beat the Titans twice. You say that like it means something. Well, it's two wins for them. I mean, it means something in their chase for a division title. Yeah. Now, the Jaguars are also going to beat the Titans again. So, there's Starting that. this Sunday. Yeah, so there's that. But still... I just feel like, you know, you gotta you gotta give the, the, the props to the Texans while you can. SEC football, college football reaction after this. Stick around. Main Street Sports today. Presented by Mid Tennessee Barn and Joints back in a moment. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's, it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Mo, Tennessee stinks on the road. Mm. They are terrible. It's really hard. And you said something about taking Tennessee, Florida in a vacuum a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, you can't take Tennessee, Florida and Tennessee, Missouri in a vacuum. And Well, Missouri's the number 14 team in the country, and they've only lost two games. There's a difference. But, I mean, but yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. They were both road games, but... There can't be that much of a difference in how you play at home and how you play on the road. And, and I yet. And I can't, I cannot watch what we watched Saturday 
and say, well, Tennessee's going to beat Georgia because they're playing at Neyland. And yet, Tennessee has a chance to beat Georgia simply because they're playing at Neyland Stadium. That's BS. Tennessee would have beaten Alabama if they were in Neyland this year, and they would have lost Alabama if they were in, in Tuscaloosa last year. That's a problem, though. It is a problem. Look, I'm not saying it's not. At, at some point, it's coaching. At this point, it's coaching. I'm saying for fans, we've got to... Now, and, and I understand. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Josh Heupel needs to be fired. I'm, I'm certain. No, I'm not saying that Josh saying Heupel that needs to be fired. I'm saying that Josh Heupel has to do some self-scouting or get somebody that he trusts. Whatever he's to, doing ain't working. It's not. What are they doing? But and it's not just once they get to Como. It's got to be something over the week. Yeah, it, it, the, the preparation for road games is, is has to be changed. Well, how? Whatever. What is it you're doing for home games that you're doing that you're not doing for road games, or vice versa? I mean, do we just have mentally soft players? Is that the, is that the problem? Well, I mean, it's not even like you're sleeping in your own bed on Friday night. Everybody goes to a hotel nowadays. I mean, are they just mentally soft when when the when the crowd gets going, they can't they can't figure it out, or they get too hype and try to make a play and over pursue or overdo everything. I don't know, but whatever it is, ain't working. Ain't working. And Missouri. Missouri consistently converting third down and five plus is just unacceptable. It's trash. It's unacceptable. You've got and and, and but you got to get off the field. As I've said, uh, Tennessee in my lifetime, that's been what they do. It has almost been it. I would rather it be third and one than third and seven. <laughs> because we got a chance at third and one. But third and seven, forget it. Every because time. we're not we're not gonna tackle the quarterback, no matter who it is. It could have been Peyton Manning back there. We wouldn't tackle him. He'd find a way to get seven yards on the ground. That's just how it works. <laughs> and that's why Battered ball syndrome is a thing because you think you've done great for two for, for two downs and then they stick it in your gut. And that's what that's what Missouri did. They converted third and mid a bunch. And to the tune of twenty two play drives for touchdowns. Couldn't even stop them. One of the worst teams in the country at scoring touchdowns in the red zone. One of the best teams in the country at scoring in the red zone, 97%, but they don't, they score touchdowns like half that time. Right. And kicked one field goal. But it wasn't all on the defense. Seven Clearly, points. You can't score seven points. Seven points wasn't going to beat a whole lot of folks. But part of the reason they only scored seven points is because they didn't have the ball very often. <laughs> and. You know, a lot of folks giving Joe Milton a lot of grief, but again, late Joe game, Milton deserves some grief. I don't know about you know how much, but late he game late game interception. You're trying to come back. I'm not putting that on him. The fumble hurt 
But the fumble before the half wasn't his fault, obviously. What? Whose fault was it? I don't know. The dude, I don't know what happened. Dylan Sampson, I mean, he just... Bumped him some kind of way. Yeah. It, was, it was a very odd... I mean, I don't sequence. know if that's play design or that, that the running back was that close to the quarterback on a pass play or, or what. But, but D, D... I'm talking about at the end of the first half on the, what, the pass. Yeah. He, Dylan Sampson, I mean, I was listening to it. I was away from the house, but he got bumped as he was getting ready to throw the ball. And Dylan Sampson knocked the ball out of his hand. That was the fumble. Was there not a pass completion and then a fumble right before the end of the first half? Hit Milton's fumble was in the second half. Okay, my bad. There were I'm too many. very there exactly. There were too many fumbles. There were too many. Yeah. But that's that's I, I didn't even see that play because I turned it off at that point. I was done. <laughs> uh, I couldn't. I had a job to do and I was much happier just trying to do that job than watching Tennessee. <laughs> Anger me. Well, but what what what's angering me about watching Tennessee is taking receiving kickoffs two yards deep in the end zone or, or at the three or wherever and bringing them out. Stop! It's a free twenty-five yards. Stop running the ball. Fair catch. But he done. Why why is a coach not telling him that? I, it, mind blowing. Mind blowing. That's coaching, straight up. Everything is everything about this is coaching. Now, I will say this, and this is the straight facts. Southeastern Conference officiating has been nothing less than abysmal when it comes to Tennessee. Ten consecutive quarters of zero live ball fouls against an opponent. There's no chance in the world that that's accurate. I'm not. I, they're going to miss calls against Tennessee too. I understand that. I'm not. I'm just saying that you can't miss all of them. That's all I'm saying. And I the, get that the first <laughs> live ball foul came after Tennessee was down two scores. I get that. I, I get all that. Trust me. I'm. For the officiating I do, I'm not a huge fan of officials, but that didn't get you beat 36 up. You don't think that it completely changes the complex, the complexion of the game, though, when when you have two guys being held on a on a play that ends up as a touchdown? Would have been a sack. Would have been third and 17. Instead, it's six points. I think that changes the complexion of the ball game. And and it happens a lot. And that's a problem. Because you can say that you're letting the players, you know, you're letting the players decide the game, but, but you're, you're not. not because you're letting a team cheat to decide the game. Because <laughs> no. if the defensive lineman beats the offensive lineman and he gets held, then you didn't let the player decide the game. Because he beat that guy. And so let him make it play. does... It doesn't get you beat, but it does change the course of the game. And I'm not saying that Tennessee wins the game. They probably don't. But I'm saying that 
you've got to be Alabama or anybody else. The officiating has to stop being a factor. A factor. And it is a factor right now. Yeah. And it's the lack of officiating. I don't even if you call if you call something and you just kick the call, like I'm gonna be mad about that. But at least you tried. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the big deal here. For me, mm-hmm. is you know, it really does appear that there is a somewhat of a bias against Tennessee because of some reason that I'm not aware. Tennessee fans. <laughs> but well, I, someone mentioned that it's because they don't like they don't like having to run and play and and, and deal with the fast offense, so they just keep Tennessee's offense off the field. I don't. I mean, it, that's a, that's a lot. A lot would have to go into it for that to be the case. But as it sits, seems plausible. The fact is, there's no, in a game where holding can be called on every play, for it not to be called one single time in 10 consecutive quarters, no defensive pass interference, no illegal contact, no defensive holding, no nothing, no inadvertent face mask. Nobody touched a face mask of a, of a player, not once. Nothing. That seems impossible. Stretch. So anyway, um, other things that we need to get to. Georgia and Alabama just get better every week. Uh, right now, I think they're two of the three best teams in the country, and I'm not sure they're not the two best teams in the country. Well, what's crazy about Georgia is, you know, this game notwithstanding, they just, it's nothing flashy about it. They're not getting any style points. They're just going out and winning games. Georgia fans are freaking out because they're not blowing people out, but they're They're winning, winning with defense, yeah. which is what Kirby Smart does. He smothers. That's what he wants to do. Exactly. He wants to win the game. By making you look bad on offense. I mean, how do you how do you lose an AD Mitchell and not miss it? I don't know, but Texas sure glad they had him because they needed him on that last drive where he made a circus catch to end the ball game. Circus catch. I mean, like you said, offensively there's there's they're meh. They're meh. But they're doing enough. But they get short fields because their defense does a great job. And they convert. And they convert to short fields. (laughs) They make you pay. When you make mistakes, they make you pay. And that's what elite football teams do. And I mean... And that's what elite football coaches create. And and Lad McConkie is like Stetson Bennett at receiver. He just, he gets it done. Mm Mm-hmm. He gets it done. You can't you you can't say enough about that kid. As I say, Alabama's the best team in the country, Mo. For whatever reason, I just get the Iron Bowl feeling. I, it, it's in Jordan Hare. 
and Auburn is just good enough defensively to be dangerous. And here's the thing. I mean, Alabama's going to Atlanta regardless. regardless. And may not be in the and may not be in the college football playoffs regardless, win or lose there. So I'm telling you, there just there just seems to be an, there, there's that aura, that weirdness, that weird feeling, and maybe that's why it's probably gonna not gonna be that way because I think maybe Alabama fans feel that Alabama too. People are are feeling that, so it's like, hey, hey, don't <laughs> don't get comfortable. It's a weird place. You don't know, and so maybe that's the case, but. Uh, speaking of bad officiating, Duke got screwed. Mr. Oh, oh my gosh. I wish I could show you. But there was a play where North Carolina is going in. They were down by three, maybe four. I don't remember. They were down. And... Pass thrown is caught by the receiver. On his way down, the defender grabs the ball. Receiver lands on top of the defender. Defender comes up with the football. They didn't even review it for a fumble or interception. The Duke player had the football (laughs) at the end of the play. In his hands, by himself. Wasn't simultaneous. It was mm-hmm. a catch. And a strip. And a strip. And they didn't even stop the game to review it. It not only should have been a fumble, Duke football, ball game, but they didn't even stop it to review if it should have been. Hmm. And Mike Elko was going nuts. I mean, this guy looked like a literal candy apple. He was so red. Justifiably so. Mm-hmm. Duke ends up losing in overtime. With 39-37, something like that. So, Duke got screwed out of that. Well, you know, Bobby Johnson would empathize with Mike Elko because, you know, those are the type calls and the type games that, and the type, well, calls that, that Vanderbilt got with regularity during the Bobby Johnson era. And mm-hmm. he would tell coaches, I mean, he would tell officials going into the game, hey, yeah, we're good enough to win this game. So don't... Don't keep us from it. Right. Don't keep us from winning. If we go out here and lose it, that's fine. But don't 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 take take it, it from us. And that's yeah. what they did. Mm-hmm. They took the game from Duke. It and again, ACC officiating is probably on par with Conference USA officials. It's really bad. But that was on the league. And you can't tell me. Well, that they were thinking, if North Carolina loses this game, we're in trouble. Well, and again, it might be one of those situations where Elko gets a email a or a letter tomorrow or so. Hey, we kicked it. Our Sorry. Bad. And 
Yeah, we'll move on. Yeah, you'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. You may not, but we will. Yeah. <laughs> the right, league right. is is on. By we're, we're, yeah, we're we're on to week twelve. Yeah. Big twelve. Texas Tech stuns Kansas. UCF thrashes Oklahoma State. Texas again. Ad Mitchell had to have a circus catch to save the Texas from having to punt back to TCU. To TCU. Late in the game, I don't think there's any way possible that Texas and Oklahoma State don't play for the Big 12 title at this point because Oklahoma State, I think, has a tiebreaker over just about everybody mm-hmm. that's anywhere near them. Except you see, <laughs> you said anywhere near them. Okay. Yeah, anywhere near them. <laughs> but this is this Big 12 thing. You better watch out because. If Texas loses to anybody in the Big 12, it's a bad enough loss that they're done. And they may be done anyway because there's going to be so many one-loss teams. Mm -hmm. But it just seems weird to me that Texas Tech, of all teams, to beat Kansas. And then UCF, of all teams, to just thrash Oklahoma. what, what, What was going on? But that's the way this college football season has gone. It has been this. It's been this. all year long. Yeah, and we said that we kind of identified that a couple of weeks into the season. Everybody's mid. Everybody's mid. Everybody. I mean, I feel like Washington could get beat at any time. I think they could get beat this weekend against Oregon State. Where is it? Corvallis. <laughs> yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, I see exactly what you mean. And then what? You know, I mean, it just, it, 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 it becomes a very... Well, and the, and the committee is begging for that. Well, well to begging, some degree. They're begging until for every, somebody to lose. Then, yeah, until everybody until loses in their screw. Yeah, and then, they, then you've got about eight teams with one loss each. And, yeah. then, and then you've got to be the one who says the eye test tells me this. And stand by. And then it's then it's Georgia, Alabama, Texas, and Ohio State slash Michigan. <laughs> yeah. And everybody else is just like, what? <laughs> These four again? Again. Again. <laughs> so anyway. Lather, rinse, repeat. Oh man. God, what a college football season it's been. We've had fun. And it ain't over yet. It, we it, it is not even close to over. The show, however, is over, and we'll come back tomorrow at 2 o'clock with more on Main Street Sports today. Come back with us.